Hello? Hey, Biff! Hi! How are you? I'm good. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to figure out Skype, which doesn't seem to want to work on my laptop at all. Uh, so I have it on two other instruments. And uh, well, as we have discovered, or maybe you already knew, uh, well, it's, uh, it's a popular name. Yeah. Wait, which one, Biff Naked or Kareem Kanji? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Actually, if you search, if you search Biff Naked, um, especially um, about five years ago, even six years ago, all that used to come up was pornography, and unfortunately, none of it was mine. But it was uh, just all these, uh, all these insane websites, and I guess that's the problem with having naked in your name. Um, I've actually since. Uh, started a second podcast, um, and Greg. Greg is. Uh, I shouldn't call him the. Well, I, we're both co-hosts. That's fine. I'm um, your sidekick. I'm your very <laughs> nice. I'm your Ron McLean. Very good. No, 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 no. I'm Ron. You can be done. <laughs> Hi. The following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hello, I am Biff Naked. I am a recording artist and activist. And this is Welcome to the Music. You're a professional. You're really good. Beautiful. I really don't know what else to say. I used to say I'm a dog mom. I used to say I was a, a dog wet nurse. I used to say all these, I'm a godmother, you know, all these other identities or identifiers. But now I've kind of learned to keep it brief. <laughs> Even though none of us just have one hat anymore. That is true. Especially these days. We're all, uh, we're all in different, uh, Different professions, but we're all doing the same thing. We're all staying at home. Yes. Exciting times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so I know you just finished, I guess, was it early March or late February? You just finished a, a, a tour of sorts? Yes, we did. By the skin of our teeth, I say. And, uh, you know, I think about it now. We were doing uh, an acoustic tour in and around uh, this area in Ontario. So, like... You know, the Ottawa area, Collingwood, um, Waterloo, Niagara Falls, this kind of stuff. And amazing theaters and soft seaters and uh, revamped old churches. And it was just wonderful. I love these types of performances a lot. It's a great departure for me. And uh, it's more like theater. And our acoustic show is uh, also incorporates a book reading or two. And uh, it's quite long. And it's like doing a play in a way. Mm-hmm. So I love it. Uh, and I meet everyone after the show. So I'm doing selfies with 200 people, 300 people a night, every oh night. My. And so, yeah, <laughs> we were doing this up until the, you know, the first week of March. Um, so luckily, you know, everyone came home unscathed, you know, on my end and hopefully on the audience's end. Uh, but we had just a beautiful time and I mean, yeah, it's a great memory. We just we just nailed it, and uh, so everything everything I've had booked since then, of course, has to be uh, rescheduled. Yeah, 
Yeah, my uh, my wife and I made it out to the Hamilton show, and that was great. That was a lot of fun. You did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we yeah, say hi? No, we did not. Oh. Um, I think we had to get back, and I can't remember why. Well, we next, time, next time, next yeah, time, next sure. time. Yeah, yeah, Hamilton yeah. was wonderful. Yeah, it was a fun show. Yes. How are you, um, like, what are you doing these days in terms of, like, how are you coping with everything? What does your day look like? Well, you know, I am a, in a very fortunate position in a way because I work from home anyway. So, um, you know, my uh, partner is the same. He's my guitar player and co-writer. So we have a studio in our home. and nice. um, And so he's always creating. He's always working on music and creating and, and doing mixes and playing guitar and when he's not doing that, he's playing PlayStation or, you know, this type of thing. And for me, uh, for me, I'm uh, working on um, a couple of different projects right now. I've, I've got a book that I'm working on, uh, which is has been hard. I did a book last year uh, that I'm still sitting on, uh, which is just a book of poetry called Razorblade Chewing Gum, uh, which is absolutely filthy. It's absolutely filthy. It's uh, a lot of different things. It's... Uh, some of it's kind of childish and immature. Some of it's kind of erotic. There's cartoons. It's just all over the map. And um, the other book that I was working on, which is why I started doing that whimsical book, because my brain was going to explode, uh, is a real um, uh, book for caregivers uh, surrounding cancer and cancer protocol. So it's really, really specific. I have to do a lot of research and make sure that I am writing as absolutely accurately and eloquently as possible and uh it it makes my brain hurt a lot mm -hmm. so i had to have another project to work on and of course we finished a record in the last six months so um yeah always have kind of something cooking i guess you could say and and, and you're doing psas right now and I, I am the, doing PSA. The PSA yes, for I am. washing your hand. I saw that I was saw, Eric's idea. Eric Alper, my wonderful awesome. um, publicist, that was his idea. Yeah. And uh, as you can probably guess, a lot of artists are doing these home concerts and whatnot. And I don't know. We've probably been asked to do a couple dozen of these. Yeah. And uh, I, I find it kind of. I I don't feel like. My voice is really needed to chime in in the whole sea of things. I, I don't think that's why I'm on earth half the time. I think that what I can hmm. do more importantly is to amplify nonprofits' voices or, yeah. or, or things that I'm passionate about, uh, either in, in healthcare or social justice or something else. Um, so it's evolving. We've been asked to do a couple of different uh, online kind of festivals that are going to be fundraisers for a variety of charities. And that's that I'm interested in doing, but definitely mm. so far I haven't jumped on the uh, home, <laughs> home concert bandwagon that everyone else seems to be mm. on. I'm cooking, man. I'm cooking, you know, chapatis when it's five o'clock. <laughs> I, I don't want to sit down and uh, do a recording. I put on my, my cooking hat. So it's different. Do you have a recipe for that, by the way? No, my mother's recipe I fail at. I can't make them. I've tried making puris, ah. non bread. It's just I t I'm terrible. Curry, no problem. I have it down. I have I can do it backwards and forwards. I have a vindaloo recipe that made forced my husband to ask me to marry him. 
uh, <laughs> and you know, I can do these things, but the breads I'm terrible at. And plus I never ate bread um, for, you know, 45 years. I just did, I didn't eat it. So I never learned how to make it properly, even in my, you know, teens or early twenties. So I'm terrible baker. I'm terrible. I can have a chapati pan. Doesn't matter. I suck. Doesn't oh, matter my. the flour ratio. I can't get it right. I can't do them thin enough. It's just always terrible. It tastes icky. Just doesn't work. So I buy it. I just buy <laughs> it. I go to a, a, this market over on Burnham Thorpe um, near Square One, um, and I love it. Oh man, our our uh, obviously our source has been shut down, um, oh. or they they've shut down. So I, I can't uh, I can't get them anywhere. I think we're on our last package. Oh, I see. Yeah, we have to buy you mean a from bunch from the bakery. Yeah, oh, I yeah, see. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, I think it's called Mister. I think it's called Mister. India Grocers, um, uh, the one that I go to in Mississauga. There's also one that used to be at, um, I believe it was Dixie. And Dundas, that one's closed. But most of the great restaurants are still doing takeout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I think, are you in Scarborough? I can't remember. I'm in Scarborough, you, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. you have a plethora of great restaurants oh, over there. Amazing the, stuff. The one that my husband is uh, obsessed with is called Banjara. Okay, and that's out of Mississauga or? There is one at um, Bloor near Ossington, and I think there's one at, like, Eglinton and Young area. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, their they're Vindaloo is the only one he says that rivals mine. So. Well, Greg apparently makes a great Vindaloo. Oh, how interesting. I am, I am, that, is, that is my specialty of my oh, cookies that I on, make. Yeah, yeah we're going to have to have a Vindaloo off at some point. We do. Oh, and you have to try... <laughs> It's so funny that you say that because I, so Vindaloo, of course, is, uh, it's from Goa. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, then you think, okay, so colonized by the Portuguese. And so there's tomato vinegar. There's all these different recipes that are so traditional and they're very vinegary and tomatoey. And then this Banjara Vindaloo that my husband is addicted to does not at all taste that way at all. I don't even know how it's called a Vindaloo. But it's like it, it intoxicates him. So now I'm really obsessed because I want to get some of that, try yours, and bring mine, and we need a cook-off. You know what there I made go. one time, and it's been a long time? I made an egg vindaloo. Oh, interesting. So I, you, you, you That's boil, very traditional, you, you I would boil the eggs. You yes. boil the eggs, and mm-hmm. then you, you pierce them, and then deep fry them, and then in the vindaloo. And it was really, I mean, it's been... 10 years probably since I made that, but it was quite an interesting recipe. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I love cooking. It's very creative and fun. It's an outlet, right? Yes, it absolutely is, mm-hmm. especially during these times, unless you can't, of course, get your ingredients. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was, um, you know, from an advocacy of public, of, uh, of, of health and mental health. And, uh, you know, at a time like this, one of the things we wanted to explore was like, like, how are you dealing with your mental health and and what do you like we got a you know we got a lot of young people having challenges right now dealing with the situation i think you know we those of us that you know the gen x generation you know we were used to being latchkey kids but a lot of yes. kids these days aren't used to it so what are your thoughts around that and how are you dealing with it and what, what do you think for kids 
I think that's very challenging for them. I mean, you know, first, probably in a lot of families, um, there is always probably a bit of a struggle that exists between parent and kid, especially like uh, my example would be my goddaughter who's turning 16 this year and her sisters and, and their parents. Um, they struggle with the phones and the iPads and they aren't, aren't allowed a lot of screen time and they always seem to find themselves in trouble because of it. But now, during these days, I think that a lot of parents are just kind of resorting to just letting their children, you know, kind of have as much screen time as they want because it is, it was kind of their social life to begin with. And now more than ever, online world is all they have. And so even though there's lots of fantastic websites that are you know, learning-based or, or they're a little more productive than, say, I don't know, just games or, or some of these social networks uh, that are, uh, you know, untouchable by the parents, if you will. Um, I think that kids really are going to be online a lot more right now. Plus, they're, they're isolated, so it's not like mm-hmm. they can just go to the park. Um, so I think that the leniency surrounding these... Uh, times or time limits is probably starting to become malleable in a lot of families. And when we do have a reset, when we do get back uh, to work and back to school, um, I think that's going to be a bigger challenge than now. I think now is still, um, you know, they were on spring break anyway, and now they're still kind of in that mode. But I think that, uh, you know, if it goes another 30, 40 days, I think then we're really going to run into some really bored kids uh, mm. who may or may not, you know, become kind of depressed, especially if they don't have siblings around uh, or especially if they are, yeah, isolated. Mm-hmm. I, I saw in, for the from the parents' perspective that are dealing with the kids, I saw a tweet and I can't remember the exact wording, but it was essentially, you know, if you're homeschooling your kids, good for you. If you're limiting their time on devices, good for you. If they're spending time on devices because you have to get through the day to run your house and do your job working from home, good for you. It's all going to be okay on the other side. That's right. Absolutely. I think that they're, uh, in a way, the rules have to kind of be malleable right now. We have to, because we as adults, um, really the only way for us to have um, perspective and keep ourselves, you know, mentally healthy. Uh, part of that means that we have to have kind of, uh, whether it's a habit or not a habit, we have to develop one that is very flexible. And, and this is something I think that a lot of people, I know for myself, I had to learn that when I was in cancer treatment a decade ago. Um, mm. And if anyone has ever had any challenges where um, they're going through a health crisis, whether it's a car accident, whether it is um, you know, reclaiming your uh, health after, I don't know, childbirth um, or cancer treatment. You know, you have to be really flexible because you cannot, absolutely cannot predict how you're going to feel every day. Even if you have an idea of how something's going to go, it's not going to go that way. And so the more flexible we are emotionally and psychologically, I think that, that it, we develop a bit of a resiliency and I think in yoga and a lot of meditation, that's what they're talking about with letting it flow. 
And I think kids are going to pick up on that from the parents. The whole family unit has to be flexible. It's a big challenge, but I think in the end, it will pay off. Mm-hmm. I know you work with um, younger musicians as well. Um, what Are you giving them the same advice, or is there specific advice that you're giving them as well? Oh, 100%. I mean, what I mean, even before uh, coronavirus came into our lives, um, mm-hmm. even before, for young artists, I always say, you know, you really have to roll with the punches, especially as a female. Uh, it is still a male-dominated industry because every industry is. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's nothing that I say bemoaning it. It's just, and again, you know, being having things in perspective, uh, being clear about it, and uh, about what, how you yourself, all you can ever control is how you behave. Uh, you cannot ever control how someone perceives you in the music business, especially at these young females um, that I work with. And I just say, as long as you are, you know, bringing what you want to bring to your show, to your lyrics, to your performance, whatever it is, it doesn't matter how anyone will perceive you. You cannot mm-hmm. control that. All you can control is you. And, uh, you know, young musicians that want to tour, um, you know, they've always been, it, it depends on the genre of music. When I had, uh, when we first started my record label in 1990, uh, 1994, uh, and we were signing young bands in the 90s, um, there were some bands who came from a rock or a punk rock kind of uh, genre they've already been sleeping in their van on tour they don't (laughs) care they just want to go play the show at the end of the day that's all we want is the show it doesn't matter what the other 23 hours are but a lot of young artists that we did come across and work with they just were absolutely you know aghast that they weren't provided a tour bus immediately you know, with no with no record released or recorded or all these different <laughs> demands, and I came across that a lot, and uh, and now as a you know trying to kind of you know have an adult uh, you know job of being an artist manager, you know I I'm only currently working with an artist who is um, smart and emotionally resilient and incredibly talented and very humble and. Uh, eager and just uh, she's amazing so I can't even imagine that she would ever <laughs> say any such thing um, and we just took her on some of our tour dates so was of that, course who, my, who was that was that oh so her name is Dellen Gray oh okay and she's uh, she's a 20 year old artist from Toronto here who has just so enormous enormous talent she's a tremendous artist was and, she at the uh, Hamilton show is that uh, uh, so you mean, so are you talking about this year, like Waterloo? No, the Hamilton show. I'm thinking, I've got Fox in my head for some reason. Does that... Oh, I see. You mean last summer. Fox yeah. is another great artist that we okay. work with, and she's another a fantastic talent. Yeah. Yes, Fox is at the Hamilton show. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, I was just yes, crossing that, that up. Yes, that was last summer. Yes, you're right, you're right. At the West Westlake, Westdale? Yeah, the theater. Uh, theater. theater. Yeah, yeah, just amazing. Uh, but Fox is another example of a young artist who um, already has been playing shows for the last five years in and around Toronto and is grateful for any show uh, that she can get. She's very lucky. She's been working with a producer over the last couple of years. 
um, who has really been very protective of her. And again, for me, with my role in these young artists' lives, all I can really do is just kind of, you know, advocate for them. And that's it, you know, because they do already come uh, with their songs and their ideas and their ideas of how they want to uh, brand themselves and how they present themselves. They already have their Instagram following. They already mm-hmm. have the idea of what they want in their in their minds. And that's nothing that when I was their age, no way. I was just, uh, you know, chasing my tail uh, like all the other punk rock bands where we were grateful <laughs> to get get a show. But I mean, you know, the shows. We had to learn how to fight. <laughs> so it's very, it's very different today. I can't even imagine these uh, these young girls having to fight their way through the mosh pit. I would, I would just like, I would kill anyone who touched them. I just can't even imagine. But I mean, and maybe it's part of being maternal. I don't know. Tell me, tell me about the sounds of uh, Dell and Gray and Fox. What, what, uh, what's their sound like? So I would say both of these artists are uh, rock and roll. Um, but, you know, they're alternative in so much that they're not pop artists at all. Uh, they both have very heartfelt, deep lyrics. Uh, Dylan particularly had put out a song called Battle uh, that was just incredibly, um, uh, just incredibly deep emotionally. It was a song about depression. And um, it was just, I mean, it just it moves you when you hear it. She is wise beyond her years. And, uh, and thoughtful and very, very emotive uh, when she sings. So, uh, and during this time, during quarantine, uh, mm. for lack of a better word, this is uh, the word a lot of artists have been using um, for their process and as, a, I guess, yeah, as uh, what they want to call their art that they're making currently. Uh, and Helen is like, keeps recording songs and she just recorded a song last week uh, that she released uh, a couple of days ago called Ghost Town. And again, these young artists mm. today, they have their own Spotify. They have their own SoundCloud. You know, they don't need my permission uh, to do anything and upload their their tracks or anything like that because that is the world we live in. You know, artists today can decide at midnight to drop a record. And that is considered very normal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of came from the generation... Of uh, there was a lot of planning that had to take place. A lot of things had to fall into line, and you know now that stuff kind of doesn't really matter anymore. You can kind of do what you want in a way. So there's a freedom to that, but at the same time, as a result, uh, the atmosphere is very diluted. So it's it's hard for a young artist to break through all the just all the other artists. It's hard to break through for sure. Yeah. What what are your thoughts? Uh, I know you've released um, Jim, uh, the single Jim. I can't. Remember. Yes, Jim, 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 Jim. Well, it was the first single that we released because I am old school, and I wanted Thought, to. Yeah. What I wanted to. Can you hear me? I'm like, is yes. it breaking? Okay, good. Um, what I wanted to do with Champion, which is the first, I mean, it's the first studio record I've done in almost a decade because I just, wow. you know, there, I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't feel passionate enough about it. We did a side project for a little while called Snake in the Chain and released a couple of singles there. And two summers ago, we released a couple of singles 
but this was the first time uh, that I really was passionate about everything we had written. There was a cohesion to this bundle of songs we wrote over the last year. And uh, like a lot of artists, I'm quite accustomed to releasing a record as a body of work. Uh, and the songs go in a particular order, uh, which mm -hmm. is usually a deliberation by the artist or the label, depending on, I guess, your situation. Uh, yeah. But I really wanted the first three songs that I'd chosen to be the first three songs anybody hears. Um, and so that's the only reason, you know, Champion was slated for release uh, at the end of August, uh, because I really wanted to put three, uh, three songs out first and then ah. unleash almost like catching butterflies in a net and then unleash them all at uh, at the same time uh so it's uh and jim was the first song we chose it doesn't sound like anything else on the record oh wow um, but i think that the the thing with the song was for me to actually put out like actually deliberately earnestly put out a radio single and and really um you know, really give it uh, my whole heart. Uh, it had to be a song that was um, a little bit mysterious and created a bit of a question mark in a way, not just sonically, but lyrically. And of course, the video uh, was very deliberate. We wanted to do it in reverse, which we did. And, uh, you know, also there's a lot of fans that really only know me through you know, this other 20 years of videos and, you know, we, we grow up, we change and our, our whole, whole look changes, our shtick changes. And, uh, it's hard. People don't necessarily really want you to, to be honest. They just, you know, want you to just sing Spaceman, <laughs> which is amazing. But at the same time, yeah. it's hard for an artist to, try and get a foothold putting out new music. I mean, you know, go to an Iron Maiden concert, and if they're only playing the new record, the fans are going to be very disappointed. Mm -hmm. So there, you have to find a balance. Uh, and putting out, putting out new material is always, uh, always something you have to kind of ease everyone into in a way. You talk about... Um you know, the process of putting an album together and the thought, you know, of, how, you know, what's the order of the album and stuff. And I, I, you just mentioned now about, you know, having to put out music regularly, not having to, but wanting to and putting out music regularly for your, for your audience. Um, one of the things that comes up often when we're speaking with people is the notion of uh, putting out an album versus continually dripping songs. Yes. Sense. Like, like mm -hmm. what Lexus on Fire have started doing now, right? Of so, course. And absolutely. USS have always done pretty much. Yes. So what are your thoughts around that? Because, you know, two very different trains of thought for some people. Well, I think there's a happy medium. Uh, and it really depends on, honestly, the artist's druthers, uh, to be honest with you, because it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, you can look at a lot of these new artists. They just, they put out EPs, period, the end. And uh, and then they can put out five more songs by the end of the year and then, you know, combine it with the EP and, well, that's the record kind of thing. And, and I think there just really are no rules anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's due to streaming and how people uh, get their music. I don't like saying how we consume our music. I always prefer to say how we receive our mm. music has changed. And, and people mm. just, that's just how we do it. We 
we buy albums on our phones, or at least I do, uh, because I want to have it on my phone <laughs> at the gym. You know, yeah. I'm not I, I'm not gonna seek out the uh, uh, the CD or the vinyl because of, of the environment. I'm totally like just mortified about vinyl. I've been asked for years to make vinyl, and I always thought, yeah, I don't know that there's a good solution to doing that. So no. Um, and, and so streaming in one way is fantastic because you're not really wasting plastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've got uh, a garage full of CDs uh, that are basically coasters uh, and I can give them away at the shows um, or I could sign them and people can have them as a nostalgic piece. Uh, but really everybody just streams digital music. And so, oh. yeah, you can drip drip your singles and then catch them in a, in one place and call yep. it a record. People can really just kind of do whatever they want now. Mm-hmm. Greg and I were uh, trying to figure out who Jim was in the video. <laughs> is that Snake? What's yes, that? it is. Yes, he volunteered. <laughs> he didn't have much of a choice. And uh, if you've ever, you, you've met Snake, so I know that you know how shy he is. Yeah. And so it was a very, very big ask. Luckily, of course, I, I knew the, the two actors uh, that fawned all over him. Uh, and he knew them as well. I think if they would have been strangers, it would have been a lot harder for him. Um, and of course, my boxing technique was very, it took a long time to shoot that because I didn't want to hit him. And uh, my manager, who's been my fight trainer uh, for, I don't know, almost 30 years was just mm-hmm. like what is wrong with you you can't even hit you know you have to connect it's not going to look real on camera i'm like i can't uh so it took all afternoon for me to actually throw a punch but uh i finally connected and then yes i definitely had to do a lot of cooking uh to make <laughs> up for it but oh, it was uh, it was loads of fun it was loads of fun to shoot that video is 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 Jim, does Jim stand for something? Was there a reason the name Jim was chosen? Well, you know, there, I could have said Donald or something else. I think that everyone <laughs> has a Jim in their life. All right. Um, you know, Jim is the villain. And, yeah. uh, and Jim was, uh, you never love me, Jim, is a line that my band, uh, which includes Snake, and I tease each other with uh, on tour. Uh. So that's been a, like an inside joke line that we've all had. Uh, over the years, you know, say it to each other at gas stations at inappropriate moments. You never loved me, Jim, you know, really dramatic. <laughs> and so we love this line anyway. And um, and we're imitating something we saw on television years ago. And it wasn't Jim uh, that they had said. The line wasn't actually Jim, but because uh, one of the fellas said Jim. And then we laughed and teased him so much because he got the name wrong. That we, it stuck, and we've always said Jim, and that's really where it came from. But the the sentiment of the song, I mean, when we uh, were performing it on this last run of shows acoustically, um, it was really sad to sing, oh. and it was a it was really like you know very very sad little song to sing uh, because all of those lyrics really everyone can really relate. Uh, to that if you're an adult you know chances are you will always be able to muster up that feeling where you've had your heart broken in your life it goes away certainly but if you are in the moment writing about it or performing the written 
things about it, you feel it again. It's like it's very much opens the wounds. And so, yeah, ultimately, Jim is everybody's villain. Mm. Thanks so much, Beth. Uh, I was called you Beth. Oh, my goodness. That's okay. It sounds the same. It's my name. It's okay. Yeah. Greg Greg wasn't there when when you told me the story of. Greg, do you know the story about Beth and Biff? I don't think I don't. Did I tell (laughs) you a story? No, the, the story. Biff, why don't you tell the story about how Biff came? Well, it was really just uh, kind of an accident in the eighth grade. Um, you know, I, I guess all the kids had nicknames. And this, this guy in our class, Mark, he had a, a, uh, a cousin who came from England who couldn't pronounce my name properly. He kept calling me Beth, 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 Beth. And so they changed it uh, in my, my, my school. My classmates changed it to Biff. And then Biff Naked came about when I was in my first punk rock band. And basically, they were uh, trying to encourage people to come and see our show because nobody wanted to see a girl singing on the stage in, in these uh, punk rock uh, venues in Winnipeg. And so they, everybody needed a punk rock name. And, you know, there's a guy named Mark Arm that we knew, Chai Pig. There was Joey Shithead. There's all these names. And so I was Biff Naked. And then they put on the posters, come and see Biff Naked. With my, <laughs> with my picture, and it stuck. And uh, we certainly did get quite a few people at the show, uh, but luckily for me, they all stayed. <laughs> there you go. Multiple Skype handles. That's right. Hours. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's a powerful word yeah. in, many, in many ways. Yeah. Biff, you know, hopefully this uh, COVID-19 uh, situation gets taken care of quickly. Yes. Um, and we get to enjoy summer in Toronto. Um, yes, I, I hope so. I know you've got a bunch of gigs planned in the fall. Um, what what can your fans and what can we look forward to from you, uh, both musically and artistically? I know you got the poetry book. You've got the book on uh, uh, cancer and healthcare workers. Well, you know the the shows that I do have in the fall have all been rescheduled from the spring. Um, so these were tours. We were doing a tour that was happening April, May. That's been uh, moved to October, November. And uh, I had a speaking engagement uh, in Vancouver that's been moved to October. And uh, a number of other things. It's kind of exciting in a way because, uh, of course, I mean, nobody really wants to go out right now anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think that um, people are afraid. There's a lot of uncertainty uh, that's going that's happening. And um, I don't know, I think it's all really for the best. I think it's for a good reason. And, uh, and I'm, I'm happy, you know, I really am. Uh, One thing that we did uh, discover was uh, uh, in 2013, I received an honorary doctorate from the University of the Fraser Valley in nice. arts and letters. Nice. And this nice. year, uh, SFU just announced that um, uh, the honorary degree recipients for 2020, I will be included in. So Look I'm flipping out. I'm, fli- <laughs> I'm so I'm beyond excited. Um, but that uh, will probably also be moved. It was supposed to be June, but... Uh, We'll, sure. we'll see where it lands, but uh, it's just, yeah. And this stuff is, uh, 
you know, it's really, uh, it's really um, a, a wonderful thing uh, to to have in life because, you know, I uh, kind of didn't finish my first year of university. I went on tour. Uh, so then, you know, over the years, you know, being uh, a writer and doing music for so many years, it's just, it's just part of the thrill of my life, really and truly. It, it makes life very fun, very, very exciting. Nice. Did I read somewhere that you've got a podcast or there's a podcast coming up? Yes, I've been planning to do this like <laughs> a lot of a lot of people for a long time. For me, it was uh, something that I wanted to do that was basically um, really and truly for my goddaughters in a way. Ah. You know, I wanted to do something uh, that was uh, something that spoke more to them. Uh, and I wanted to call it the new riot girls. And it's really about be- trying to be agents of change. And honestly, any gender for sure can be a, a riot girl or an honorary riot girl, but it's about searching for truth and, uh, and equality in this world. Uh, still while, you know, having, having fun and, uh, just, you know, a- enjoying, life however you enjoy it whether you're a very feminine person or whether you're a dude or whatever the case and it was really that's where it was born from but it was about having discussions and uh trying to disrupt the status quo i guess Mm. nice nice um biff one of the one questions i wanted to ask you um you know, you mentioned some of the female or the young female artists that you're supporting in that just i mean lately what's been in your ear what have you been listening to well, you're talking to a world music fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, the things that I generally listen to um, are probably not what people might think. Like, um, for example, my favorite artist in history is this Turkish pop star called Tarkan. I don't know if you've heard of Tarkan, but Tarkan's my uh, favorite well, artist in yeah. the whole world. Um, other things that I like, I love Bollywood music a lot. Uh, I love Emrinder Gill, another favorite artist of mine. Uh, but I also, of course, like Depeche Mode, naturally. I love Depeche Mode. I love, um, Bossa Nova a lot. Um, I love ska. I love hip hop. I love death metal. Mastodon is a, uh, <laughs> a band that is very, um, very technical and, uh, but I, I find it just incredible. And, of course, I married a KISS fanatic. So mm-hmm. my spouse uh, is a KISS collector, collects uh, anything and everything KISS, is a, a KISS historian, basically, uh, who doesn't have a lot of patience uh, for me cranking Nusrat Ali Khan every Sunday <laughs> or anything like that. So it's, uh, it's very... Uh, we're very polarized in our taste, but I would say world music is my absolute favorite uh, genre of music. Nice. And I love I love music. I yeah. love it. Biff, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. Um, for those who want to catch up with you, what you're doing and um, especially what you're doing during uh, this, uh, the season that we're having, 
you know, where can they go? Where can they find out more about you? Where can they find your music? Well, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm always on social media. It's a, it's one of my favorite, um, my favorite ways of communicating truthfully. Um, on Twitter, I try and be on there every day, at least, uh, to say a hello. Um, and that's every morning naked yeah, every day. I, I yeah. used to take a day off a week and now I don't, uh, just because, uh, it just depends, I guess, on the on the flow of uh, of the times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm on Twitter. I am on Instagram, um, which I probably don't use properly. I probably use it like people used to use Tumblr. Um, and I am mm-hmm. on uh, Facebook, of course. And then at BiffNaked.com, if anyone is interested in learning more about uh, non-psychoactive uh, organic CBD, they can go to MonaLisaHealing.com and learn about that. Uh, and of course, Dellen Gray is uh, easy to find. She's on Instagram. I am Dellen Gray. Um, and on Twitter and Facebook as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Biff. Really appreciate it. Have a great yeah, night. Thanks for, thanks for joining us tonight. You too. Thank you, guys. I appreciate stay it. safe. Be healthy. Yeah, you too. Stay safe and be healthy. <laughs> Bye. Bye.